You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast with host Adam Evans, within and without. Welcome. Hello, hello, everyone. Hope you are having a fabulous day. In this episode, I sit down with Lama Suryadas, who is a American Lama, and he is a practitioner of the Dzogchen tradition. And this is basically a tradition or a style of, I wouldn't even say meditation, it is a style of non-meditation, a style of just being with with your existence, with yourself, being with all those things around you, and then feeling that interconnectivity with all those things around you that, that exist with throughout the world. So... Surya and I sat down and had a little discussion that spanned uh, across several different topics. Now, the reason I had reached out to Surya initially was because we are Twitter buddies, and that is that we tweet back and forth uh, with each other in the sense of retweets and replies or whatever else. And uh, basically, I like a lot of the content that Surya produces, not just on Twitter or social media platforms, but his actual books. He's authored several books, and uh, a few of which I've actually listened to. I prefer audiobooks myself. Uh, one of those was uh, Awakening the Buddha Within, and it was a lovely, lovely book. And I, I really appreciate a lot of the information that Surya offers uh, beyond even just on his contextual books, but into the actual digital realm of podcasting, because he is part of the Be Here Now Network, Uh, which if you're familiar with our last, uh, actually two episodes back, I had sat down with Raghu Marcus, who is the director of the Love Serve Remember Foundation, which is uh, relatively tied in with the Be Here Now network that runs all of the podcasts. Um, And I believe we even mentioned Surya in our discussion um, as well that we had had on that past episode. So without further ado, I'd like to uh, leave you with myself and Lama Surya Das in discussion about the Dzogchen tradition, uh, about some of his uh, practices and uh, some of the upcoming retreats or the just regular retreats which take place. And if you're interested in more information, I highly encourage you to check out the information in the description of this podcast because it's all nicely laid out for you there. If you're using any particular podcast app, you should be able to access the information just by simply swiping over in the screen. Or if you are listening to this on the We The Ether website, then all of the information is there for you on the page. Please take a moment to rate this podcast on iTunes, and we really appreciate it. It helps this podcast grow, it helps it reach a wider audience, and it allows me to reach out to more uh, individuals for interviews and other really fun discussions. So you can also expect a lot more interviews and discussions coming up uh, in the summer months. We're now into June, so you can expect some to be uh, uploaded in July and August, so just stay tuned for that. But uh, please do leave that rating because it does help us out, as I had mentioned. And if you have any questions or if you'd like to request any particular guests, feel free to shoot us a message on instagram.com forward slash we the ether or just visit we the ether.com official website and shoot a message there through the contact form. And uh, you're, you're always don't, I don't ask too often, but you're, you're always welcome to donate directly on the website as well. And that does help the podcast grow in terms of just acquiring new equipment. And I basically take any funds that are donated and I put it directly into upgrading uh, overall production of this podcast. So thank you for listening in advance and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, without further ado, again, here is Lama Surya Das and myself in discussion. 
How are you? Wonderful. Was really looking forward to our chat today. Good. I heard you have a popular podcast. That's great, Adam. Yeah, the podcast is doing pretty good. I have a, a YouTube channel as well. Where I've actually, oh. I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned uh, either you or Zokchen or one of the books because I've actually listened to a couple of your audio books as well. So mm -hmm. um, I'm sure I, I've shared that on YouTube. That's great. Mm -hmm. I actually just finished one of your recent podcasts as well, so I'm, I'm glad to see those are pumping out very frequently. Yes, I think it's important and trying to reach the younger audiences and not just write a book every year or two. That's right. People even read books anymore. Yeah, yeah, it just seems like it's the audiobook generation now, and, and especially with these podcasts. Yeah. I wonder if that's part of the transition. It's a podcast and audio. It's just a faster way to consume information. Yeah, and TED Talks and things like that. Mm -hmm. that you can click in or click and read. Mm -hmm. Quick, short. Okay. So, are we video? Yeah, I, I, I put on the video recorder. I did both. Mm -hmm. um, I'll most likely put this video up on my personal YouTube channel just to draw more traffic to the actual podcast itself. And what I typically do is a brief introduction uh, where I'll you know describe what it is that you do. But you know this is extremely brief because obviously you can do more justice for that than I can. Um, so just to kick things off, would you mind just please describing what it is that you do and um, what this is all about, really, just for the audience? Hi, everybody. I'm Lama Surya Das, the American Lama, as the Dalai Lama affectionately nicknamed me. And I'm a Buddhist teacher, Lama in the Tibetan meditation and yoga lineage, uh, retreat leader and author, author of Awakening the Buddha Within, Tibetan Wisdom for the Western World, and many other books, and founder of the Dzogchen Meditation Center and Dzogchen Retreats. And you can find us online. And um, I'm very dedicated to bringing forth this healing wisdom mm -hmm. you know fractious and but and partisan violent world mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. saved my life and brought in, inner and at peace and outer harmony to me and my friends and family and mm -hmm. I gave my life to this so this is an invitation if you're interested mm -hmm. to tap into this deep mine and treasure house. And if people aren't familiar with the, if people aren't familiar with Dzogchen, do you mind just, just kind of overviewing what exactly that is? Well, I'm a Lama in the lineage of the Dzogchen tradition. It's one of the practices of Tibetan Buddhism, um, awareness practice, naked awareness practice, self-knowledge, insight, direct access, be Buddha in this lifetime, practice, not ritual, not philosophy, monasticism, cosmology, etc., but awareness cultivation, awareness, self-awareness realization, uh, insight, Tibetan mindfulness and meditation, and I had, there are six kinds of mindfulness in the Tibetan tradition, so everybody's interested in mindfulness today, we have a lot to say about that. Mm-hmm. It's a heart-opening, mind-opening, awake practice of awakening, and even right now, awakefulness, how we can be awake rather than sleepwalking through our lives right now. Absolutely. So-called accidents. Mm -hmm. And from listening to one of your recent podcasts, you had um, 
correlated Dzogchen with more of a feminine energy, if I have to use that word, um, where it is more yielding, not doing. Um, it's more of a non-dualistic point of view. Is that accurate in, in its description? Very accurate. That's well, you're very astute, Adam. Um, Gnosis or transcendental wisdom, imminent wisdom, is considered feminine, not female gender, but feminine, yin, receptive, uh, vast and open, womb-like, rather than yang, male, driving, phallic-like. So feminine, and it's like the ground of being. So we we can contact that right now, not trying to build a tower to get to heaven or after we die or or later. So there's a lot of um, ease or authentic naturalness and inner peace and rest and self-love and self-acceptance in that, which naturally brings forth acceptance of others and love of others. It's very difficult to accept others if you can't accept yourself. Absolutely. So the feminine principle is very important in the Dzogchen um, Tantras, for example, the special esoteric or even secret texts of Tibet, the Tantras. Mm-hmm. Buddha taught the sutras, and Buddha appeared in the form of various other archetypes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. manifestations to teach the Tantras, like Tara, the female Buddha, and other archetypes, not just the masculine Buddha in history 2600 years ago, our teacher, the Buddha, but archetypes who taught the Tantras, including female Buddhas and Dakinis, so sky dancers. So that's a very important principle. Dzogchen really emphasized that and exploits it even so that we can really rest in ourselves. We don't have to spend our whole lives purifying and changing ourselves and, you know, trying to trim every branch and fruit, nut and flake from our personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just cut the root, see right. through yourself and be free. I love that. Yeah, I love I love the practice of just seeing yeah. through and how simple that is. But you know, I, I find when it comes to absorbing information, um, it's almost dimensional in a way where sometimes something as simple as seeing through can just right over someone's head, unless they're in a place where they can adequately absorb that information and then apply well, it. Indoor it sounds day like, day like English, but it's jargon. That, right. That's, that's our job is to translate the translations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like technical talk. It's like jargon. That's right. So see through what. Mm-hmm. Right. So and that's important. We're, you know, even like mindfulness, mindful of what? So that's important. So mm-hmm. mindful of feelings, mindful of thoughts, mindful of others, you know, relational mindfulness, um, environmental mindfulness, mindful of mind, minding your own mind, minding your business, not wondering what everybody else is thinking of you. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to say about these simple terms, even if it's English. You know, mindfulness is English, but I don't think my mother and and and, and my parents use that word. That's right. Yeah, and I find sometimes I'll use certain words either in video content or podcasts, and then people just they they cling on to those words. They get too caught up in them, like staring at the signpost, and then they end up kind of trying to analyze and pick apart my words, and they throw it into this heading of woo woo or just nonsense because it's not analytical enough for them. So it's part of my practice to try and dissect some of the information that people such as yourself present, as well mm-hmm. as more of the analytical scientific data, and then bring it all together sort of in, in some cohesive way where I can explain it to people where it's approachable for them and at least relatively understandable. Well, Buddha said you can't please all the people all the time. Yeah. Well, maybe that was Abe Lincoln. doesn't matter. It's true. 
So, you know, we do what we can and we let go. Whatever happens, happens, as it says in Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching, which I recommend. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very important principle. Again, minding your own business, minding your mind, your heart mind, your, you know, being embodied, not having your mind on the other side of the tennis court. You know, I wonder what they're thinking about, but sitting on your seat, being Mm -hmm. in your place. And I know this needs to be explained, but I'm just freewheeling here. You know, we could talk about meditation. We could talk about inner peace and yoga, but everybody talks about that. Um, I, I like to go a little deeper. You know, I've been in this 45 years, and the Mahamudrin Zogchen with a non-dual direct aware enlightenment now approach of the high Tibetan Buddhism, like the penthouse of Tibetan Buddhism, is very doable. Mm-hmm. You don't need foreign languages. You don't need many years of philosophy study or monasticism. You don't need a hundred thousand bows like people do, and I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, bat training in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, and in three-year retreats. We can awaken now, and that's the name of my podcast on the Be Here Now Network: is Awakening Now, because this is the message of non-dual awareness of Vedanta, the non-dual mysticism of Hinduism. It's the message of uh, mystic Christianity and Judaism. Meister Eckhart, Europe's greatest mystic was all for that. Mm-hmm. He said, the eye through which I see God is the eye through which he sees me. Sees me. So how can we recognize that I am that, and it is in each of us and all of us, not just I alone am that, and see the divine, the light, the Buddha na- nature, the Buddha in everyone and everything. That's our challenge, and that's what we're talking about with direct access mm-hmm. and now. And that's about awareness and insight and cultivating subtle discernment and deeper seeing, not just praying for it from Mm -hmm. somebody up in the sky, as it were. That's right. And there's actually, what you just said kind of brings to mind a Rumi quote, which was, uh, love said to me, there is nothing that is not me. Be silent. And it's just simply the the act of that uh, non-meditation that's so so akin to the practice of Dzogchen, where it's just embracing the great naturalness before you and understanding the connectivity and and, uh, how everything is just in union in one way or another. Well, we all love the great Sufi saint and poet Rumi. And I remember one of his poems, so wonderfully translated by Coleman Barks. You know, not all translations are equal. In uh, that poem, it said, I've, Oh, beloved or Lord, I've been knocking on the door for so long. And now you show me I'm knocking from inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is good. Unforgettable. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Universal. I love those because you have to come back to them. You can come yeah. back to them and revisit them, and they can teach you exactly. in a new way every single time. Yeah, and, and it's funny, and it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, like looking for love in all the wrong places. When love is in us, it comes through loving. That's right, that's right. Not from inside. That's right. I actually and had... Uh, the divine mm-hmm. is in us. And comes to living the divine life and being and acting that way, not just after we die, sitting at the right hand of God or praying to get something like the Father Christmas. Mm-hmm. I actually had someone message me on uh, through the podcast, and they had said they were just seeking advice because um, they had lost. Uh, well, to them, they had lost their lover, and this person had was apparently moving on, and I and they had asked me, "How do I maintain my self love?" And I, I tried to explain to them that self-love is not something that's given to you by yourself, by your ego. 
It's something that's inherent in all things, and you merely just need to embrace it, open up yourself to it, much like uh, Hanuman or Christ opening the chest and just allowing that heart to to shine through. Well, th um, that's a beautiful universal image of opening the chest and find, seeing it in yeah, there, yeah. whatever archetype you see in there. Um, I think that's very important. Mm -hmm. It's also it, it's helpful to help us uh, to facilitate this opening, Adam, to see what's blocking it. You know, that's like, right. Just to talk personally, not like this confessional, but you know, like I found fear was blocking it, and insecurity and doubt is blocking it, and you know, anxiety or greed is blocking it, and things like that. And then you can factor that in or move that aside temporarily and let somebody in. You know, you can make an experiment. Right. Like, what am I really afraid of of being seen as I am? Am I that bad? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, you know, something good might happen. Then somebody can love you as you are, not as you present yourself best foot forward all the time. And then you can relax a little and be more authentic because naturalness is the way. That's right. I mean, that's the teaching of, of, uh, of Zogchen, Mahmudra, and Zen. Naturalness and authenticity is the way. But, we, you know, being be yourself is fine as a New Age slogan, but you have to know yourself, mm -hmm. not just be your addictive, unhappy, you know, caught in a rut self all the time, the small self, but know your sublime self with a capital S, or your transpersonal being, mm -hmm. your bigger self, not just your impersonal, but transpersonal, not just personal so when when I see through myself, it's like I'm like a bubble in the sea of being, and I see through myself. I don't have to slay my ego. I see through it, and then the bubble is part of the sea. There's, the bubble is completely 100% seawater, and you don't have to, like, kill your ego or die or throw away your body, your house, your family, your job, your your responsibilities, and your world. No, you're more one with it. And we're all like bubbles in the sea of being or in the sea of God, if you want, however you want to look at it. And when we see through ourselves, our small selves, the bubble, we see the big self, the sea, and that we are nothing but that. And that's mm -hmm. awesome. And then, you know, there's a there there, even though your habits might obscure it and you take over and you feel needy or greedy or somebody dies and you're sad. There's nothing wrong with being sad. Depression and despair is pathological. Sad is just an, uh, an emotion, you know, feeling up and down, happy and sad, no problem. Mm -hmm. Feel it, grieve, and move on. Life moves on. Everything's changing. So it's, it's Dzogchen, the practice of taking that middle way, not so much polarizing yourself on the, the um, emotion of sadness or regret. Uh, a lot of people feel that regret or shame is a big one. James, a big one. Yeah, especially when it comes to death, because they tend to, and I've had a lot of messages about that as well, and I try to illuminate the fact that even if you focus on shame and say that the 1% of your experience with it, whatever that being is that had passed, if you focus on that 99%, that, that love that, you know, would have been throughout the entire relationship, rather than that 1%, you know, it, it really, yeah. it really uh, lifts a lot of weight off for, for you. For many well, that's great, that's great advice. That's like putting something that's positive. Uh, this relates also to how people think of their parents. Like if you think of your parents just with your little, you know, resentments or hang-ups, you know, mm -hmm. it's easy to have a selective memory and only but only remember the bad. So that is our karma. You know, we have a little choice.
Because right. yeah. it happens to us or happened to us. But what we make makes all the difference. But we don't have to be blown that way. We can learn how to sail and navigate better. Absolutely. You know, set the sails and uh, and steer. So I, I think focusing on the positive without ignoring the dark side or you said 1%, 99%. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot. It's 9% positive, even like 60%, 40 I always say I try to see the half of the, the three quarters of the glass that's full, not the half that's empty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great, it's a great way to look at things. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's yeah. not good arithmetic, but I think it's good sense. It works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to yeah. the half is empty, and not to deny the you know the sadness or shame, but what can I say? We're all endowed with the luminous Buddha nature. Nobody's closer to Buddha than anyone else. It's in everyone. We're all children of God. Nobody's closer to God. The saints are not closer to God. I'll say that mm-hmm. God is in everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. With, the, with that know, unified power, I'd say we're all we're all in the same. I know it better. That's all. There's a natural hierarchy, but it's in everyone and everything, and you can find that taught and quoted everywhere. It's universal. Of course, that's just a rumor until we realize it or confirm it for ourselves. That's our work. Mm-hmm. And that's I, practice comes in and the path. It's a journey, not just a joining. Right. Not just a membership thing, program. It's a journey. Right, and a lot of people tend to think that you you reach that uh, the end of the journey at your time of passing, where you're then you know brought to heaven or whatever whatever the belief system may be. But it is in fact that you're you're in essence in heaven on earth. It's just a matter of just that recognition and just embracing and kind of like uh, like what you're alluding to here. Well, this is just like non-dual awareness teachings of tantra or mysticism. Uh, I think it's in the Bible itself. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is on earth. Mm-hmm. The kingdom is here now. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And who understands that? Yeah, exactly. But that's that's a universal teaching. If right. you can see it that way. Of course, there's plenty of shit. And the, and the planet is endangered. The environment and the violence and the partisan politics and the greed and the delusion is there. But, you know, children are being born and people are loving, not just falling in love. Life goes on. It's beautiful. It's a miracle just to wake up every day and, and spring and summer is coming here. Now to us in the North, Northern Hemisphere, it's a beautiful. There's a lot to be grateful for. And there's a lot to take care of. So acceptance has its own transformative magic. It doesn't mean being complacent. Or indifference. And you know, I've had meditative practices. I, I personally find myself to be quite empathic. So during a meditative practice, I may feel the the weight of suffering of my own suffering, and I, it's it's not too difficult for me to let that go. But then I do start to feel this uh, the weight of this global suffering, let's say, and it's only in that moment where I can release it as part of this great perfection as part of this naturalness yeah. that's when I can let right. it go and I do it with the exhalation of the breath and I just let it go and it's all with compassion and love and I'm not doing it in a way where I'm trying to radiate love or energy or anything like this or, this or that it's merely just letting it be letting it go understanding that I as a micro organism micro being I can't have that full macro perspective and it's impossible for my mind to comprehend mm-hmm. so it's a matter of just merely letting go having faith in what is and then just embracing what, what comes next, basically, after that. You know? Well, the natural great, Zogchen means the natural great perfection, or the innate great completeness. So 
there's a lot of acceptance and letting go in that and being capital B or awareness with a capital A plus. Mm -hmm. But um, it's an age-old discussion about faith deeds, you know. Is faith enough to get you to heaven or you have to get the two deeds? So in Buddhism also there's relative practices creating good karma and altruism, generosity and all the transcendental virtues, the panacean virtues of the bodhisattva, you know, and patience and skillful means and constant mindfulness and every intention. But there's also the absolute truth that there's no way to go and no one to get there and nothing to do. So that's cool. That's what meditation, like seeing through or Zen comes in and, you know, just, just sit. Mm -hmm. It means just stand, just walk, just be, mm -hmm. just do what you're doing. It doesn't mean just sit. That's it means right. just be. That's it. And being includes doing. You know, being is primary. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't do, but being is primary. So we can always come from there and tap into there. And then we see everybody in that way and everybody then and the relative trying to find what they want or need or think they need, you know, in their own different ways. But we're all mostly pursuing the same thing different ways mm -hmm. no one wants to be killed their loved ones harmed or their country taken away so we're all looking for more or less the same thing mm -hmm. I hate to put it in words but love truth happiness fulfillment God purpose really is part of that too is that a meaning but it's, so we're all in the same boat together mm -hmm. we rise or fall sink or swim together and when we feel what others are feeling, then we empathize with them, and then we move to help, or at least resonate together. That's right. Not just cut off and separate. We just meditate and close our eyes and go inward and try to get away from the likeification. In my recent book, Making One With Everything, Buddhist Meditations to See Through the Illusion of Separateness, I talk about how to practice cultivating awareness and mindfulness with your eyes open and breathe out into everything and and contemplate and co-meditate, intermeditate with everything, which leads to in, what Thich Nhat Hanh calls interbeing, mm -hmm. and and being part of connect, recognizing our part in the interconnectedness. It's very, it's very important to cultivate these things, not just to think about them or you know read about it, but to practice like co-meditating with other people or with nature or with your pet or with your sleeping child. And you'll feel the love just watching their breasts go up and down. You don't have to close your eyes. You're just interbeing with them. That's a mm -hmm. nice mom, mamas and papas meditation. Mm -hmm. med meditating with God, you know, whatever your highest power or archetype image is. So, or, or co-meditating with music and chanting. So there's a lot of ways to awaken together. Mm -hmm. We must awaken together in these days. It's uh, the era of the self-help programs are over this there's, there's no self anyway separate self and it can't be helped mm -hmm. but i think today is the time you know it's increasingly interdependent interconnected world and we have to awaken together and collaborate together sure and, and i think that um a lot of people tend to look for tools and mediums to to in order to it's achieve this wakefulness. And this is why I like Dzogchen, is because it doesn't focus on the tools. It doesn't focus on holding the mala beads. Or uh, a friend of mine, he likes to go and do 
uh, ayahuasca retreats all the time, or he'll do these cambo things where he's frog poisoning himself and all sorts of different stuff. And he, he invites, I just saw him recently and he said, you know, you should really come do cambo with me. And I tried to explain to him that I, 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 I don't feel, see, I'm, I'm always open to things, but I don't feel that by doing some sort of substance, I'm going to, I've done these substances before, but I don't feel I'm going to gain any additional insight. I feel that it's all, it's there. The second I open my eyes in the morning, it's there. It just, it's up for me to awaken to it. And I don't need these tools in order to. Well, that's wonderful. You know, that's good karma. Yeah. And well, that, that's my, that's what I. What is poison? Sorry? What is poison? You're talking about toad? Yeah, it's some sort of toad. He, I've and, heard you know, they put the like things on their arms. Uh, you know what scared me about this is he referred to it as points. <laughs> he referred to these, these scars that he gets as points. Yeah. And I say, this isn't a point system where you go and you do these things and you, you know, it, it's somewhat of a satsang community that they're within. And I understand their unified goal to achieve happiness, enlightenment, whatever it may be. But it's almost as if you, all of them could put down those tools, go outside and stare at the sky and you'll, you'll, you'll reach that point. Exactly. You know, you'll, you'll get there. Um, so it's, it's just constantly chasing tools. There's many courses for different horses, Adam. You have to know that. I know. Um, to each his own, I do. I do. I don't try and tread too much on what other people do. Come from different places. Right. But I would say, like, from the advanced uh, Tibetan Buddhism or wisdom point of view, it's almost like there's two paths or even two spiritual paths, which this isn't really good theology, but because there's only one way and it's beneath our feet right now. Mm-hmm. But, and I don't mean my it's just you know it's your way mm-hmm. uh, but it's almost like there's two ways there's the happiness path which is pleasurable and comfort and you get some security or peace out of it and then there's the liberation enlightenment like really mystical uh, total transformation or transmutation total enlightenment path which might be a little more rigorous not so easy you know not for everyone mm-hmm. but the bigger like Buddha called it, Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi, unshakable, irreversible, total, complete awakening. That's different than just having a good trip or a breakthrough or a spiritual epiphany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a cucumber can get dunked in vinegar, but it doesn't get pickled that way. It has to sit in the vinegar for three months or six months to get pickled. Mm-hmm. Then it never goes back. And that's where, you know, really uh, – life journey, a spiritual journey, a daily practice, a year-round, you know, mm-hmm. true vocation and, you know, doing work that grows you, doesn't just stunt you while you're growing your livelihood. You know, all these things come together in the spiritual life, like yoga, the eight limbs of yoga, not just physical yoga for health and looks comes in, but the, there's eight limbs to yoga and we forget about that. So mindfulness alone may not be enough. Maybe we also need to be practicing humility, cultivating humility and loving kindness and tolerance, patient forbearance and generosity and other things to balance it out, head and heart. If you want to look at side brain, rational and intuitive, if you want to look at, you know, feminine and masculine energy, the yin and yang of things. Mm -hmm. So the middle way, Buddha himself never taught Buddhism. He called what he, he called it was the middle way, a way of, beyond extremes, beyond austerities, beyond extremes like nihilism, nothing matters, and on the other extreme, materialism only counts as what we can see and weigh. Mm-hmm. 
Would you say the middle way? Would you say the middle way is part of that where nihilism is saying nothing matters, but then on the flip side, everything matters. Nothing matters and everything counts. That's yeah. (laughs) Well, how about nothing matters as much as you think it does, and everything counts. Uh Like every thought, word, and deed has some impact. I mean, just look at life. It's like everything makes the little ripples. Mm -hmm. That's right. If you think nothing matters and everything is empty or this world doesn't matter. I try to give you an example, like, you know, so you don't care if you die or your pain or your children go out in traffic or, you know, I mean, that's insanity. Mm-hmm. So maybe nothing matters as much as we think. The things are not what we think they are. It's very subjective, I would say. That's a big teaching of the Dharma, of the liberating Dharma, not just the happiness, feel-good Dharma. Everything is subjective, and we factor that in and be less attached to our opinions and our perspectives and more flowing. And in the now, mm-hmm. in Dzogchen, it says, nowness awareness is the authentic Buddha within. That's awesome. And that's not Buddhism. That's part of Buddhism, but it's not about Buddha. It's about you. Duh. <laughs> Yuda. Yuda. <laughs> I'd love to play on words you do with a lot of different stuff, too. I just have to, just have to say, it, it stays with me some of the different I'm stuff. I'm also a poet, but, um, you know, I'm trying to say something fresh, not just the same right. words that right. says, mindfulness and loving kindness. And also translating from the Tibetan, from our Dzogchen tradition. We're all Buddhas by nature, not Buddhists. We're all Buddhas by nature. We only have to recognize who and what we are. Mm-hmm. That's the direct path, direct access, enlightened now. Mm-hmm. Not after many lifetimes of schlepping towards enlightenment, you know, getting from here to there. This is about getting from here to totally 100, 200% here, mm-hmm. here and now. Very nice. So I'd actually like to just quickly shift gears here, and um, okay. I'd like to discuss, uh, funny enough, I'll preface this by saying that I actually had a phone call with Ramdas on Skype uh, maybe oh. a year and a half ago. I had one of those heart-to-heart calls. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, because I, I donated some amount maybe a few years ago, and um, the opportunity was presented to me to have a call with him, and I thought, you know what, why not? I mean, I, I've listened to a lot of, uh, well, all of the podcasts that um, Raghu has produced. I actually have listened to all yours as well. Um, and I've also listened to Be Here Now. I purchased the book. You know, I'm very familiar with all of it. Uh, funny enough, I actually spoke with Raghu on this podcast. I think it was the last episode. Um, so it's up on the website now. So that was a really good chat to have with him. Um, but on that note, I just wanted to get you to briefly describe who is Neem Karoli Baba to you. There you go. You're, you're, <laughs> you're going exactly where I'm going with this. This is my mouse pad. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's Probably great. not a good idea in India because they would say something like you shouldn't push on the face. But that's right. Besides <laughs> that, this is my mouse pad. Somebody right. gave it to me. I uh-huh. love it. Uh-huh. Also, it sits wherever you put it. It's like an instant altar. It almost stands up by itself mm-hmm. on the couch or on the windowsill. So it's always with me when I travel. That's anyway, beautiful. Nim Karoli Baba, we called him Maharaji, which is a title in India. like means great Dharma king or saint. Like Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma is the title, great being. Mm-hmm. Maharaji means great spiritual king or sage, saint. He was an old man in a blanket that we met when he was very old. And Ramdas introduced to the Westerners in 68 or 9 with his best-selling book, Be Here Now, which is still worth reading mm-hmm. and fantastic. That's how I first heard about Maharaji Nimkaroli Baba when I was in in college in the 60s. And then when I went to India in 1971, I met him and he was my first guru. And, and he gave uh, you fruit, if I'm not, am I mistaken? He gave you a banana. He get, Yeah, 
he gave me a banana that was like my first prasad or blessing kind of uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. like wafer my first communion he gave me a banana and I went out of the room and I said and I gave it to my friend and I said he gave me a banana I hate bananas and they said oh it's holy prasad you know it's like communion from the saints it's like a wafer blessed wafer you know yeah. prasad is the word in India mm-hmm. and I said oh it's a banana you know why don't you guys cut it up and share it up uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's very like a western sort of uh, looking at the thing like what is this thing that he gave me yeah. 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 it was like a culture clash but then he gave me the name Surdas after a devotional poet of the middle ages in India There's, we have many poems and songs by Surdas Suryadas, who it said was blind a blind bard and singer but he may have been blind to everything but God that's another uh, interpretation Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm one of the Das brothers, Krishna Das, Ram Das, there are other, Bhagwan Das, there are others. Mm-hmm. We're all there together. Uh, he he left this world. He uh, had his samadhi, or he died in English in 1973. So I was just with him a few years in India, and then I went stayed with the Tibetans. And Ram Das and his people came back to America, and you know lived in community, satsang, community. Mm-hmm. And, carried on this message until now and Ram Nas is still writing books and teaching and leading retreats even though he had a stroke and is often in a wheelchair but he's still Maharaji the, the divine is still flowing through Maharaji through Ram Das mm-hmm. everybody in our satsang into the world mm-hmm. you're all vessels or vehicles for the expression that is you know Maharaji mm-hmm. like this weekend here in Boston we had it was gay pride uh, parade uh, we had a big kirtan with Krishnan Das Saturday night, and then Sunday a day long workshop with Sharon Salzberg, the, the loving kindness and mindfulness teacher, myself, and Krishnan Das. So we're always doing things together, and of course Maharaji is a part of it. And people ask, and I'd probably be a dried out scholarly Buddhist, you know, professor or some boring translator or something. If it wasn't for Maharaji, he really opened my heart. Mm-hmm. And laugh mm-hmm. and got at my rational, you know, ambitious New York Jewish motor mind yeah. and the heart and into singing and chanting. And I was never musical when I grew up. I grew up with sports and books and beaches and, you know, things like that, surfing and skiing and team sports. But he opened my heart. I mean, he, 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 he was chanting all the time. It like opened my throat chakra. Uh-huh. So now I'm a chant leader, you know, I have chant CDs out. Um, he opened my throat chakra. He opened my heart chakra. He opened my mind. He always used to say, Sabek, all one. Worship all, and serve all the saints, mm-hmm. all the beings. He used to send us away all the time to go to uh, see the other saints in India. Not keep us, like cult leaders keep people. Yeah, yeah. What, what was that saying he used to He used to say? Um, was it if someone was entering the room and their energy wasn't quite... And he would want to send them off. Do you remember? He would say Jow. Jow? Yeah, Jow, Jow, right? Jow, Jow. Sometimes he jowed all of the Westerners from the ashram, and he would Jow us for a couple of days and lock the gate, and we were all, you know, staying in other places because it was a small Brahmin ashram, and only a few people could stay there. Mm -hmm. And so we were staying around in the hills or the countryside (laughs) or occasionally a hotel if they had money. He would jow us, and there was always somebody who would find a way, even in their, like, white sari. I remember my friend, um, Asuil, she climbed over the glass 
broken glass topped like barbed wire wall in her white sari. She's like 23 years old. Uh-huh. To get back into the ashram on in the back where nobody could see and stop her. Uh-huh. And Maharaji, and, and we were all jabbed for two or three days. Maharaji just didn't say anything. He, she just came in and sat down with the Indians with him in front of him. You know, later that night she told us, and we all say, what? Yeah, yeah, that's some dedication, though, really. Maybe that's why. That and it had broken glass on top, and we all said, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go more into the gate. Maybe he'll let us in. Yeah, it's like, is that what it takes? Is that, was that really it? Yeah. Super naughty. Mm. He would call us bad mosh, which means like little rascals are naughty. It's an affectionate thing, like little rascals. Mm. Because we, we were um, mostly in our 20s or 30s and hippies or I don't know what we were. Mm-hmm. That's a great age to to be to be exposed to that though. That's an amazing age to, to have that experience. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so grateful that I got really into the Dharma full time when I was 20, right out of college, because your habits form fast. Mm-hmm. Right? Family or alimony or mortgage or car or job or anything. Of course, I didn't have health insurance or any, anything, but it didn't matter when I was 20 and I hitchhiked overland and went overland to India, mm-hmm. London, and traveled overland to India. To you know, Afghanistan and Turkey and Pakistan and Greece and all these places it's hard to go to today. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And we were naughty, you know, but there's naughty and there's naughty. Like there's getting stoned and there's laying around and listening to music and eating sweets, you know, a little like naughty, lazy. And there's skinny dipping naked in the stream that freaked out all the Brahmin Hindus. That's like more naughty in mm-hmm. India, mm-hmm. not so much in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there were other things, you know. Yeah. Just the yeah. couples breaking up and interfering with each other, naughty, and you know. Mm-hmm. Well, but I, we were he, we were beloved of him. He treated everybody the same. The people, the Hindus whose parents had been coming there for fifty years, and who were his disciples, mm-hmm. and us who just like washed up on the shore, who came on the bus, who just came because we heard there was good sweets and good fun there. Yeah, <laughs> that's good yeah, enough reason to go. Same. Yeah, he like it was like Jesus or something. I wasn't into Jesus. I was brought up Jewish, but he turned us on to Jesus. He said, "You read the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, of everyone, love sir, everyone, serve everyone, and remember God." That's one of his favorite favorite sayings: "Love, serve, and remember. Love everyone, serve everyone, remember God." Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Yeah, and I, I try to do that exact same thing as I walk around and just see that divine expression come through everyone, everything. And uh, I think going back to, I mean, even when I spoke with Ramdas, he had said that my my personal, uh, he was very, very attuned to, 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 I think I have a strong, I think we all have strong egos, but I think I have that here, obviously. And um, he, he basically was saying to, to speak to Maharaji in my own creative capacity to ask for faith. for mm-hmm. and, and then that... It was funny, Ramdas had said that uh, I'm captain of my own ship. And it's, it's taken me a few times to think that through. And I know that the, 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 there's a heaviness to it, a captain of your own ship, rather than allowing that guru to be. And when I, when I uh, examine the Shiva Sutras, uh, the guru is the means. Um, right. The do- guru is said to be the door to God. Dunk is stuck in the door. Mm-hmm. Or collecting door, you know, doors. Mm-hmm. Like so, both through to the the biggest but you know those who benefactors who could help us teachers gurus mentors you know parents friends elders 
it we it's really important. It's almost impossible to do this alone. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So you know we love Maharaji, but we remember God and you know try to see that in everyone and in everyone's way that they're pursuing such a thing too under any name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to actually get you to, and I think we've covered this a little bit, but describe the four postures of Buddhism because I just want people to understand how simple it really yeah. is. Well, Buddha's main teaching, you could say, was loving kindness and cultivating wisdom or self-knowledge for enlightenment. So wisdom and compassion. So how do you do that? So, of course, the Eightfold Path is the detailed way. But And I've written about that in Awakening the Buddha Within, one chapter, Eight Steps to Enlightenment, one chapter for each of the Eightfold Path, Eight Steps. But the point is, we think of Buddhism, probably if it's new to us, as something about meditation. So somebody asked Buddha, you know, what's the best med- posture to meditate in? Because Buddha didn't just sit there all the time. Mm-hmm. He was the living Buddha person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jesus didn't just hang on the cross all the time. He didn't just pray all the time. He was a person. He was an embodied human teacher. So that's a good model for us, how to be a spirit in matter in this world. Not that we have to get crucified or, you know, imitate anybody, but how to be spirit embodied in this world and for the benefit of all be a light in the world, not a blight. So the question to Buddha himself was, what's the best posture or position to meditate in? Cultivate awareness in. Cultivate mindfulness in. And he said there are four main postures. Sitting. This is my commentary. That's obvious. Mm -hmm. Standing. Okay. Walking. Maybe you've seen walking meditation. And fourth, lying down. So the point is that covers everything. Every posture is the best posture to cultivate mindfulness in. Mm-hmm. And you've come up with another one yourself, if I'm and not that, mistaken, right? Well, if he will, if he was alive today, he might say, you know, doing this uh-huh. or um, squatting or jogging. In other words, whatever you're doing, mindful living is the way. Mindless living, what's the benefit of that? You just have so-called accidents. Mm-hmm. It's not just a thing of accidents. Everything has a cause. You know, when you have a car accident, it's probably from heedlessness or distraction or equipment failure or something. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, you know, mostly on the other person's side or any excuse you have, there's some cause. It's not really an accident. You know, if, if a the piece of a tunnel falls in on your car, like happened in Boston, you know, there's a cause. It's not really your fault, but it's a cause. That's karma. It's not, that's not fault. Mm-hmm. It's not an accident. You know, they didn't fix the tunnel right with the right cement glue, so a piece of it fell in and killed somebody in the car. So that's a bad karma, but it's not an accident. So if we cultivate awareness, mindfulness, heedfulness, you know, presence of mind, alertness, open mind, open heart, if we're here now, if we're very present and lucid in every moment, and that's the goal. That's hard to do, but, you know. Mm-hmm. We're going to sleep and when we wake up and while we're arguing with our loved ones or when we're doing anything or making love for that we're eating, then we live the mindful life and everything is much clearer and saner. Otherwise, it's like walking around half drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, most people do sleepwalking or half semi-conscious from whatever. Mm-hmm. 
if not intoxicants, then things that intoxicate us, mm-hmm. like a lot of sugar and caffeine and um, distractions, you know, like five or ten hours a day of screen t- time or TV mm-hmm. or whatever it is, or too much greed or anger just clouding our windshield so we can't see straight and we can't drive straight. Mm-hmm. That's what it means about being, what do you say, captain of your own ship, taking responsibility, like we, so we can balance self-mastery with surrender. Mm, okay. Balance of faith and deeds. Mm-hmm. If you could surrender, you know, to the divine will or to the guru's will, you say it's all my lila, the divine dance, that's good. But you also have to make some decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. So I surrender to the decision-making. Right. If it's your job to decide what your kid's name should be, guess what? Mm-hmm. Decide. Maybe that's the guru's will coming through you. Right. right. You, don't know how, you don't know how it's going to come through. Mother, you decide. Mm-hmm. That's faith. That's the guru's, that's the divine will coming through you. Mm-hmm. If you're not in the driver's seat, you have to let go more and let the other people decide, the driver. If you're in the driver's seat, then you have to decide more. And even if the people are backseat driving, you still have to decide because you see and you feel it much more closely and not be distracted by the backseat driver. So it's a balance of surrender or, accept, you know, going with the flow and also being master of your own ship, as he said. Mm-hmm. So the wind karmic or conditioning doesn't just blow you in the same direction. You can learn how to navigate and steer better. Mm-hmm. So I feel like growing up, uh, up until my, you know what, up until 30, I'd say I was a lot like what you're describing. So, I mean, I was spending a lot of time just working. I lived in the middle of the city, the core of Toronto. Um, I just, I was working hard, drinking frequently, too much. And I felt uh, foggy, cloudy every single day. So it's, it's, uh, it's been this practice that I've taken upon myself over the past, you know, three, four years to really just go deep on everything I possibly can to try and lift that veil, to try and to, to remove that delusion, uh, at least enough so that I can start to really see that, to see the light, you know, without, without being too cheesy, but to see that well, as I'm as exactly. I moving about the world. Yes, I'm all for it. I rejoice in your good fortune, Adam. And I'll say, and I don't like to say Buddha said, Buddha said every sentence, but, you know, for those that don't know, and just to say, like, represent a wisdom tradition, which, you know, all these things have been fading in our modern world. Buddha said that if you realize the suffering around you or in you, you'd be practicing, you'd be awakening, you know, as if your hair was on fire. You'd stop doodling. And I'm, my commentary now mm-hmm. means you drop what you were do- the doodling or whatever, you know, with the Sudoku or the, you know, the Netflix. Mm-hmm. And you start pra- if your hair was on fire. Mm-hmm. You're going like this with your hands, yeah. Not not this or Sudoku or whatever people are doing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's Ram. So I have followed a rigorous path, and I did three year cloistered Tibetan Dzogchen retreats, and you know I'm a Lama and I was a monk for six and a half years. But I'm not recommending that to everybody. I'm recommending everybody think about what your priorities are, and if you feel called, then put everything into it, and then you get everything out of it. Mm-hmm. That's, you get, a, that's a great way to put it. You get the totality. You don't just get, you know, if you go to church only on Sundays, there's six and a half other days of the week to consider. Mm-hmm. So bring it into every day and every minute. And, you know, that's where practices like practical practices, like cultivating aware mindfulness, 
practicing loving kindness and compassion in action mm-hmm. and so forth, using developing sh- sharp and subtle discernment and discrimination. Mm-hmm. See, part of part of a practice I've started taking upon myself is, and I'm not too familiar with it yet, but is the um, praying to Mecca seven times a day. Um, and I'm not I'm not too familiar yet, but but I'm doing it because I find that it no matter what I'm doing, I could be working or whatever it may be. It, it, it calls me to to take that time, whether it be just to bow my head, whether it be just to go outside and, and just be outside, um, it take and just to express gratitude during that time. And I feel that um, these type of practices are, are good for, um, I love the fact that I have a mobile app now that notifies me of <laughs> when to pray, but uh, I love the integration of technology um, with, right. with you know these things and, and to use it in a, in a healthy way. Um, and uh, technology is a tool. Mm-hmm. The question is, you know, do we have our possessions or do they have us? Mm. Yeah. So, you know, like that's a great thing if it reminds you five or seven times a day. Yeah. Uh, I often say to my Buddhist students and, you know, yoga students and people, um, uh, many of whom have a lot of prejudices against the Islam. Of course, everybody loves Rumi, but, you know, right. suicide bombings. And we don't know that much about Islam, really, which even the word means peace or surrender. Mm-hmm. People have ideas about it in the West. So I said, you know, one of the things I like best about Islam, and I've lived been in the Middle East quite a bit, you know, um, is five times a day they drop everything, whether they're an oily rug merchant or mm-hmm. they're, you know, like the, the philanthropist teacher of a school. And they get out their rug or whatever, they bow down to Mecca or whatever, you know, five times a day. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't that be great if we had five times a day, like a five-minute mindfulness or bow down or prayer yeah. or chant yeah. or something? Yeah. I mean, fantastic how to integrate in daily life. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely Just wait for Sunday or let somebody else do it, you know, the mullah on top of the parapet. But we, we do it ourselves. And this is this is a path. It's a journey. It's if we're called, then we must go on it, not just read the travel brochures about it. Right, right. I think it's important for people to take that time just to reconnect. And especially with something like Dzogchen, they can just do it at any time, anywhere, and taking those four postures as we, as we discussed here. And, and just the really interesting thing about it is is that, that you can just go outside and just allow that naturalness to unfold. I was just having a discussion with someone um, on another podcast, on this podcast, but uh, we were discussing going out and just bathing in the forestry. So going out and doing yes. forest bathing. Forest bathing. It's a new fad in Japan or yeah. it's an old fad that we've just heard about. Yeah. And stuff like that. Just, it's what's yeah. wonderful. It revivifies your whole experience, in my right. opinion. So I teach sky, medit- sky gazing meditation and water gazing meditation and music listening. I've written about all this in Make Me One With Everything, co-meditating with water, co-meditating mm-hmm. with the sky, co-meditating with God, or you know, co-meditating with other person, co-meditating with your pet. And so every moment is really an opportunity to for I, thou, in the spirit, not just with beings, mm-hmm. nature, or with everything. Also with your inner being. Mm-hmm. Yes. Your breath, you know, co-meditating with your breath, just breathing and aware of it until you become the breath and you be the breath and you don't have your whole past history, you know, your vi- victim story or your unhappy childhood conditioning mm-hmm. that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now this is the greatest therapy. In the now there is no past and future. Mm-hmm. 
That's beautiful. Now, now, now. Right. Past, present, and future are horizontal, linear time, but mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. the fourth times we call it Dzogchen, the fourth fraction, is now, now, now. Mm-hmm. I get this feeling when I when I really concentrate on the now that there is this like uh, manifold manifestation. It's a multi-dimensional manifestation of the individual, and it happens in the now. It's not happening in that linear time frame. And, That's it, right. And when you when you make that shift in that now, it spans across time and space. It's where you know yes. beyond it, and you and you allow it's that. Beyond, shift. You get imminent in it. You know, like mm-hmm. the the ultimate or whatever you want to call it, the divine. It's beyond any of us individuals but it's imminent in all of us so this holy time or timeless time divine time the the fourth time the now the holy now transcendent over relative past present and future linear time but it encompasses or imbues or is inherent in it tap into that it's like the eternal now Mm -hmm. you know when you break spiritual through or cosmic orgasm it's like there's no beginning and end to that you know it's no longer sex it's like you are the universe and the universe is coming or the universe is universing in its like highest way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't uh, even take credit for it right yeah it's like amazing and that's part of tantra so you can wake up at that moment right, right? turning towards rather than opening away mm-hmm. at objects and i love that you we mentioned realize uh, I love that you mentioned pets and, and animals as well because I think that that's one great source to help ground yourself. I actually my, my Doberman's in the room with me right now. He's just taking a nap. Um, I love just taking some time, and I've even done it during that prayer time, that uh, Islamic style prayer time. I've gone up to him uh, and just laid my my head on his chest and listened to his breathing for five minutes. Exactly. Listen to his heart for five minutes. That's what I'm move into meditating it. with your pet. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I think it's amazing because all yeah. that exists in that moment is the breath, his breath, heartbeat. And if I can, and I can try to align myself to it, and then I can just rest in that, just rest in that space. It's peaceful. It's extremely peaceful. So I recommend doing that with your kids also. You know, it's hard to get kids to meditate and slow down and be quiet. Maybe you shouldn't try too hard too soon. But when they're asleep, you go in their room, you feel like, well, the angels are there. Mm-hmm. You just watch their breaths go up and down or listen to their breath. You'll be very calm. You won't be distracted. Mm-hmm. Everything else is gone. Everything else fades away. It all dissipates. Gone. It's yeah. a co-meditation with the divine. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, you know, we can do that with everything when we learn the secret. Yeah. So um, I'm still learning. I'm not saying I perfected it, but it's very doable and integratable with daily life, which is important these days. Mm-hmm. Which is a big part of your teaching, and that, that's why I just wanted to just really shed as much light as on that as I possibly can, just spread it out to the masses as much as I possibly can. Thank um, you. Adam, I appreciate I, it. I think it's beautiful. And I, I love your approach, too. I, I love the fact that you are this, uh, it, it's uh, like a really American, but not so much so, you know, because, you, not, because, because, you're, because you are from, uh, you know, New York or, you know, Boston as well. And it's, uh, I'm from New York originally. I still have a Brooklyn accent. Yeah. So I just love that. Uh, you know, I was actually listening to one of your podcasts before and my wife, uh, you know, I'll play it sometime. She'll hear it. Uh, her name is Grace. We've been together for 10, 11 years now. Um She'll hear it. She'll, she always says, like, who's that guy? He sounds kind of like uh, a little harsh. And I'm like, that's oh, not harsh. It's direct. It's to the point. It's what it needs to be. Because I find a lot of people, especially when I listen to your, the retreats and the talks and this and that, people ask you questions. And it's almost as if they're not quite absorbing what you're saying mm-hmm. during your talk. And um, it's almost, I wonder if their minds are caught like the... Uh, 
uh, the, the wheel, this you know, the spinning yeah. wheel with the thing, and it's like they're they're not they're too busy spinning on that uh, hamster wheel. Yeah. They're not so much focusing. I'm on what trying. You're I'm trying to wake them up. Mm-hmm. Shock them awake sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, life life is harsh. Yeah, no, definitely can be. It's not all honey and treacle, you know. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn to say no, otherwise you have spoiled kids, you know. So sometimes more affirmative to say no, mm-hmm. put it back in their face. But, of course, you have to do it in a kind way. Mm-hmm. But I see I see spiritual teaching and counseling a lot as course correction, you know. That's all. Mm-hmm. Help facilitate people on their way, not try to get them to jump onto my way. Right, right. Like midwifing their spiritual birth, you know, mm-hmm. not my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Again, it's just more just like you are that signpost and just showing the way. Right. Well, uh, I don't uh, have any other questions for you now. We've covered quite a bit, um, but I did want to take this time to thank say you. thank you, and uh, I really appreciate it. Um, maybe we'll have another discussion again sometime, or maybe I'll even see you at a retreat or something. I wouldn't I'm mind good. taking a trip. I'll be glad to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're very welcome, and thank you. I love what you're doing, well, Adam. Thank you, thank you. It's very important, you know, to help us all, especially the old, the gray-haired generation, bring it to the next generations. So mm-hmm. that's you, and that's part of your task. So exactly. we're behind you, you know. Don't yeah. keep looking up to us like we're backing you and trying to get out of the way so we don't hold you back. Mm-hmm. It's, my, it's my goal to... I just try to be as translucent as possible in communicating. I don't want it. I don't want people having hangups on what I'm saying or what I'm doing. I just want to communicate that message, much like what you just described. Communicate that message and hopefully uh, allow some people to tune themselves into that message, to that understanding. Yes. Um, and yeah. you know, if it doesn't happen right away, it's not a big deal. No. Nope. Sometimes uh, we're just spreading seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, Pachal Rinpoche, the great enlightened vagabond of Tibet who vowed never to sleep inside in Tibet. Think about that. There's a lot of stories about him. He's wonderful. You can read about him in my book uh, of Tibetan teaching tales and in Matthew Ricard's book also of Pachal Rinpoche. Mm-hmm. Um, he once gave, I think, a week-long teaching in uh, in a haunted, empty village. It had some tragedy there, maybe like a plague. It was a haunted, haunted, empty village. And he gave a teaching there to help dispel the karma and the ghost and all for like one week to an empty village. Hmm. So maybe he was seeing things that we don't see. Maybe he was just spreading seeds or kind of like replacing the bad atmosphere with good atmosphere. I don't know. Yeah. But that's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> so we, ha- we have faith or we have vision or anyway, we have this. This, we're on this wave together, and we're not always steering it ourselves. That's all I know. Yeah, definitely. But it's great to be on this wave together. Many have gone before, and many are coming after, and there's many to, with us now, so it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And actually, just going back to that discussion with Ramdas, we had discussed briefly the, the notion of the Bodhisattva and the one that returns, even even if they have reached that attain, level of attainment, but they return, right. they constantly return. With with the objective to enlighten all all beings, yes. know, all sentient beings. So I feel I feel that uh, we're all on that path. We are, and this is all you know. We're all evolving together. So mm-hmm. to do it consciously and effectively, or you know, grace gently, and not 
proselytizing or shoving the truth down people's throat, but really midwifing the process is very doable and practical. We don't have to be the Dalai Lama to make a difference in this world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Help be a light in the world, not a blight on the landscape. Mm -hmm. And thinking globally is good, but also acting locally, taking care of yourself, your body, your family, your own garden and community. You know, very locally is very important, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It starts in the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, perfect. Okay. Thank you for taking the time. We'll talk again soon. Blessings to one and all. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.